Okay, and it's very, it's very important to understand what God is doing with us. You know, and, it's, and I must say, over the last few years, it's been quite an interesting correlation to feeling what God is saying to me is actually relating to what God is saying in our nation and the time we find ourselves at. And it's not like things you can pinpoint, oh, that and that, exactly the same. But it started for me in realizing this back in, in 2016. I went to a trip into Turkey and God really spoke to me powerfully. He kept saying to me, it's a season of firsts. It's a season of firsts. So I'm like, first. And I was recalling all my first encounters, all these first moments I did things for God. And then Chuck Pierce came here in March of 2016. And in Parliament, he was saying, God is saying to South Africa, it's a season of firsts. And I was like, whoa. That's, oh, okay, wow. So start realizing when God speaks to you. It's not just about your own little world. Like, Jesus, I'm all happy and all fine for God's sake. But He's speaking to us on a bigger scale because He wants to help our understanding to see what He's doing. And all we've been walking through as a church, the transitions, the changes, all that we've been understanding as working has all been so similar to what's happening in the life of our nation. And we've been tested. There's been a real refining by fire. But the thing is, we will not settle for just what we have. We will keep believing in the promises that God's got for us, for this nation, for us as a, as a community, because we will not be a sheep nation, or not be a goat nation, we'll be a sheep nation. You know, and that refers to the, the reality of the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus that's given us, and the, the lamb that was slain and stuff. And we are being tested for greater things. This nation's been through testing. We've been tested. We've I'm sure many of us have felt like giving up on this country. Like, really, God, we couldn't see the wood between the trees at times. We're just thinking, now all of a sudden, wow, there's, look, there's hope. Wow, there are righteous people that can actually make a difference. You start feeling it. It's, it feels the same in this community. You're saying, God, all these things. But okay, all these realities of what's happening. So you have to understand what God is saying to us. And I asked you a question when I led worship here a few weeks ago. And I asked you a question when we started. I said... How do you know whether you're being tested or you're being tempted? Can you tell the difference? Do you know the difference? Do you, can you discern the difference between what's going down? And I left you hanging and we worshipped and we carried on. And Can you tell the difference? Because why are we tested? Why are we tested? You know, Ella's now writing exams and it's new with her learning to study and all those kind of things. And she's like, well, why must I study this stuff? It's not going to even help me in my life one day. I'm like, well, it's not the stuff you learn. It's the principle you learn of putting in discipline to actually gain knowledge for stuff that sets you on course. I know you will never use algebra when you do that one day ever again. I don't understand why I have to learn Pythagoras because it never helped me in finding a wife. It never helped me in what I do. But actually, it's a principle that gets set in place in your life. So why are you tested? Why, why does God test us? Because he, He's testing your faith. He's seeing whether you will stand in the midst of circumstances, trials that come your way. And it's so important that we go through these things because if you don't go through them, there's no maturity for you on the other side. You settle. And I'm going to go into this a little bit deeper this morning. And we'll preach out of James because we're there and I'm going to speak linking to this passage. But the question is, how do you know when you're being tested? You know, it's only often afterwards you realize, oh, wow, that was a test. Or you realize, look, I didn't pass that test. You know, it's, it's, it's easy in school because you get given the, the context of knowing you have to study so you prepare. But often in life, it's not preparing, it's a positioning. 
And you suddenly realize, I'm in the midst of a trial and a test here, and it's how we respond in those circumstances that brings out the greater maturity in our hearts and our lives. And that's, this is a key little thing. And the whole thing you see is that the idea of temptation, when you're walking through a test or a trial, temptation is a, is a kind of a way in wanting to say, like, let's cheat this process so we get it over quicker. And you're trying to short-circuit the reality of what God wants to teach you through a process. Might be two years, might be four days, might be 20 years. We trust Him. It's up to Him. It's His time. We lean into Him. But temptation is a temptation to cheat and sort short-circuit the work that God's doing in your life because you take control. And you allow yourself to be able to handle circumstance. And... Uh, Testing, you see, what testing does, let's just read that from James. Uh, James James 1, we're still there. It's been fantastic walking through this book. We're going to keep hovering here for a few weeks. There's lots to talk through this book. We're going to get to all sorts of things in this. It's going to be fantastic. From chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test... Always think they're the test of time. This is not Charles Glass advertising okay, his brew. That when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say that when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and for himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it is fully conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I'm going to read the last little bit as well. Do not be, be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters, he would mean. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he has brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures before him. And I just want to hang really on verses 12 through to 15 and stuff. See, because what happens is, he says there, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. There's the test. What does testing do? Testing is a season and a phase or a place in your life when it brings about questioning. You suddenly start asking questions inside. Okay, God, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? Where are you? I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? These are the questions that go in your heart through times of testing and through the trial of circumstances. Temptation brings about an answer to you that would seem to be right at the time. As I was saying, you try and cheat the circuit and try and short-circuit it and jump forth and go forth beyond that. So what is the link between testing and temptation? They seem to, they were, even the Greek and the Hebrew, the meanings are so close together. It all speaks about being proven, a trial, a testing, a proving of something that is actually worth that can stand. It's all, they, or they're very closely linked. These words. And I'm going to read out of one of the commentators says this. He says, uh, what is the link between testing on the outside and the tempting on the inside of us? 
If we are not careful, testing on the outside may become temptations on the inside. When our circumstances are difficult, we may find ourselves complaining against God, questioning His love and resting and testing His will. At this point, Satan provides us with an opportunity to escape the difficulty. He's very clever. Just what? So let's look at some examples. Abraham was told to go to Canaan. When he gets to Canaan, there's a famine and a drought. So clearly it's an opportunity to say, God sent you here. Stay, remain. He will show you. But the temptation was to go to Egypt. Because there's no famine there. So he failed and went to Egypt. And God had to redeem it and work another way. Look at the people of Israel. They wandered around in the desert being tested for 40 years. 40 years. Many failed the test. Okay. Wandering, wandering, murmuring, blaming, muttering. We want to go back to Egypt. And they turned their testing into temptation in which they failed it. You see, as mature believers, you're going to face trials. You're going to face tests, which breeds about the temptation that comes. And those two are very closely linked. When you're walking and testing, temptation's there on your door. All the time. All the time. And I just want to touch on four things, because I want to get a greater depth about this testing that we're walking through as a community, but as individuals, how we walk that all together. And there are four things that stick out in this passage that you will see very closely relate to exactly what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden all the way in the very beginning. And James is, says it's straight. That's the only way he speaks. And he gives us the reality. There's four things here that step out. I just want to touch on them quickly. And the four facts we need to cover to overcome the temptation. Because every day you're going to face a test. Every day there's going to be a temptation. That's a daily walk. Then you get the bigger overarching areas of your life where you're believing God for greater things. There's a testing in those bigger things and the greater temptations to not keep believing, to keep trusting. There's different levels of how this works out. But every day you will walk through a test. Every day would be a temptation that comes your way. See, the first thing is what happens with temptation is that there's this desire in your flesh. And another word for desire is the lusts of the flesh. Lust is not just a, sec- a sexual thing. You can lust after coffee. Because some people need that kick in the morning. And if you go without it, I'm grumpy until 12.30. The flesh, the flesh cries out at you. See, and it's desire. It's birthed inside of you. Something happens. Something is birthed. A temptation to feed some desire that you're requiring that comes from the flesh. The body. To satisfy. That's what it's longing for. It's for a satisfaction. And what happens in that thing, and it's normal. It's normal to feel fleshly desires. There's nothing wrong with those, okay? They're not evil. It's what you do with that desire that is crucial. Because this is where the enemy is very subtle. The way he lures you into things. And what happens there is as the desire kind of arises inside of you, there's the deception is right close by. And James likens this too, and he's speaking about, in a sense, of if, if there's a hunter or you go fishing. If you go fishing with just nothing on that hook, 
the fish are going to swim right past. But he's very clever. He puts something on the hook with a very deceptive little way, and it's luring because you'll be like, hey, hey, how about, hey, how about that? And the desires of your flesh are met by this deception that draws you in and lures you. And the bait, what, it does, what the bait sees you from doing, it sees you from looking at the consequences of the sin that you are being drawn towards to actually committing. It's very subtle. Very subtle. Lord, lures you in. Lures you in. And when you fall into that deception and believe the lie that the bait will satisfy you, and will make you feel better, and things will be better in my life if I do this, without any regard of the consequences of sin, you walk into disobedience. And disobedience basically says, I choose my own way, my own will. And it's essentially not just all immature, it's a daily thing of learning to deal with temptation that comes your way. But as a young child, children all work on emotions. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like going to kids work. I don't feel like going to school today. I don't feel like eating my supper. Hey buddy. It's good. It's fun. I don't feel so it's all emotion. Are are emotions true? Are your emotions true? There's a, there's a mix in the room. Some are saying yes, some are saying no. Sometimes, that's a good, in the middle, babe. Very clever. Motion, emotions are feelings. Okay, feelings will deceive you. Okay, so your emotions are not fully truth to me. Okay, it's a feeling I'm feeling, and I, you've got to decide whether that's either discernment in the spirit to what you are sensing. I've learned this language. I've said it many over the years. And I just feel God's... I just feel... There's more power when you say, I discern that God is saying to us. Okay? It's not a feeling. It's not this thing that's happening. Your emotions will deceive you. If you keep feeling like I need something, you just keep going after it, you essentially are walking in disobedience if that thing is simple. So your emotions can trick you. And that's where the enemy plays on these things. Because there's nothing wrong... With feeling the desire for my wife. There's nothing wrong with good emotions arise. There's nothing wrong with them. It's what you do with them. That falls into the trap that the enemy wants to play and wants to lure you in. And through disobedience, you see, as an adult, you learn to make decisions going, even though I don't feel like it, I have to do it. Because I know it's right. So I don't feel like going to church this morning. If you're going to be basing your decision on your emotion, then you need to grow in Christ and realize it's not a feeling that I do this. It's not a duty that I do this. It's motivated out of a love for the Savior and the King. That's why I come gather with the people because I guarantee every single one of you that arrived here feeling a little bit down will not, feel, not leave here feeling down this morning. You feel lifted up because you gathered with the saints and you worship your mighty God and He revives and does something in your heart and you walk away feeling encouraged. I've arrived at church over all my years. I'm 43 now. I've been to church nearly all my life. I know those times I arrived not feeling like it. Even when I've led this church and I'm not up to it. What happens is I feel leaving encouraged. 
Because <laughs> that's who he is. So I didn't make a decision based on emotion. I made a decision based on truth, on position, on who I am. Not what I've done, of who I am in the Almighty Savior, King Jesus. And when our desire rises inside of us, and the deception and the deceitfulness of the enemy lures us in, and we fall into that trap, and in disobedience, we sin. And what is sin? Sin is separation from God. It creates a chasm between you and God. Because He cannot even look on sin. He is not sinful in any way. He does not condone sin. The church doesn't preach about sin. Because it's too sensitive. Because it hits to the core of who you are. And what that leads to is, James says, death. Not a physical death. That would lead to, down the line, it could lead to physical death. The word, when he says that, actually can imply that. But it's in that moment, you spiritually die. Because you've chosen, over your own way, your will, it's far better if I'm just in control of the situation, and you fall into sinful pattern, and it brings a spiritual death to you. Sure, I could leave it hanging there, and that's quite a heavy one, eh? Boom. Oh, Jesus, what are we going to do now? You see, when there is testing from God, as I said earlier, the enemy is not far behind in trying to tempt you. Because there's the process of temptation. It'll lead you to a point of death. But it's not life. It becomes hard, sluggish, hard, difficult. We've all experienced that. You all felt the guilt of sin. You've all felt the guilt of sin. Every one of us have felt feel good to do that but folks here's the hope we have a redeemer we have a savior who paid the price for us as the perfect spotless lamb and shed his blood as the perfect sacrifice for us so that now we don't have to have a big bri every Sunday and need to pay and cover all your sins and thank God, hope that He hears the prayers. You come because Jesus has made a way for you now to stand before the Almighty God and say, God, here I am righteously because when He looks at you, He looks through the Son, Jesus, and says, have they been counted worthy? And Jesus says, yes, they've accepted me as their Savior. I live within them and they are within me. They stand righteously and the Father accepts you standing before Him and you are righteous. Powerful. I had to throw a bit of life in there because it got very dead and heavy in the room. Because you all felt the weight of your sin. And you know what? You need to feel that sometimes. You need to feel that. Because then you realize the power and the loving work of Jesus Christ is very real. And you feel, oh, oh Jesus, man, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But Jesus, you've made a way for me that I now can stand before you. Man, I've done nothing to accept and to be able to, to, to pay back or to, uh, to earn this. That's a gift. Given to you freely. Yes. I want to hover on this stuff a little bit more because the testing of your faith, we've spoken about the emotions. And I felt God say to me this morning, and these things, just as I get there, it says, you know, dealing with these things in your own life on a daily basis, but we also need to recognize what God is doing with us in the bigger picture. 
of the testing that's going forth and what he's doing. This nation, we've been tested to hold on to God because he's proved himself strong and we're going to still see the fulfillment of that coming forth. We've been tested as a community of what God is saying to us and leading us on. It's this individual journey as well as this corporate tension. Again, you've got to learn to hold. You're not just living this little life hoping, Jesus, am I fine with you? Oh, yes, I've come fine. Woohoo, I'm all okay. All okay. It's fine. The individual walks okay. You have to do that. But it's together as a community of people, corporately, where we walk in the things of God. You see, there's something very powerful that happens when we come and worship together. It's not the same when I'm in my man cave praying and worshiping. It's not the same energy and powerful move of God. I feel, yes, but when we're together, there's something more. The corporate anointing is very powerful. And it's learning to learn that tension between the two and how it works out. And I felt Jesus say to this to me this morning. He says, it's not your sin that bothers me. Not even Satan is worried about your sin. Sin is the result of not trusting me and choosing your own way. Sin separates you from God. You can live and become accustomed to this feeling of a chasm between you and myself, Jesus now, and allow the divine nature I've given you, instead of allowing the divine nature I've given you to arise, and he's saying, I've dealt with your sin. I've dealt with your sin. We are so sin conscious. Yeah. Yes. Have I done right? Oh, Jesus. Da, da, da. You know, there's grace. That's why there's grace. Grace is not to cover up the sin. It's to empower you to keep walking yes. in the yes. things of God when your flesh fails yes. you. Yes. That's the enabling power that's been given you. So we have no excuse to say, oh, there we go. I don't feel up to it. Well, you've got to rise and grow in Christ and walk from that place of a divine nature that is given you. Because he's not bothered about your sin. He's bothered about your obedience. He's bothered about your faith in him. Those are the things he's looking to. Because he's paid the price for that. Stop hovering on the things that get wrong all the time. You need to sort them out. Yes, if there are issues of addiction and their journeys and cycles, we have those in life. And as a community of people talk, we walk these things out. But the intention of my heart is always to live and serve the living God with everything that I've got. Not with a dark area that I don't talk to him about because it's too difficult to raise. Sure. <laughs> I've, I've been, every now and again I get uh, drawn into some kind of series of some sort it doesn't happen often but let me just see if i've covered this all here quick before i get there now he's asking the test is will you believe and have faith in me and john six twenty nine says this is the work of god this is jesus answered them he said this is the work of god that you believe in him who has sent who has been sent that's the key thing not all your ups and downs and tests and all those realities do you believe in jesus that he is for you and with you in every single circumstance of life and stuff. See, there's, as I say, this series, all of us, every single one of us has got the lure and the desire of, to commit sin. And at what, at what happens with that, that plays out. And the enemy loves to see a life surrendered to sin. Because when your life is surrendered to sin... You open up your life to a whole sorts of demonic activity that starts controlling your life and you basically become possessed 
by a different realm that starts controlling you. So <laughs> we were interesting. We watched this movie. You probably all heard of it now. It's like big news. Everyone's talking about it. Is the guy by the name of Ted Bundy? Okay, who in 1974 to 1978 committed atrocities of rape and murder of about 36 different women through a season of time, and he basically got to the point where he um, never owned up to kind of doing any of it, but there was traces of it that he'd done it. He almost ran his own court case. It was ridiculous that the convicted criminal sitting there, he was so deceptive. He was so very good at lying. He was so good at doing these things. And I looked and I watched right at the end of his story. You can see it all on YouTube and Netflix, wherever, or movies, wherever you want to watch this stuff. He asked, the day before he's convicted and put into the death penalty, he asked to see one person through this guy that was walking with him. He asked to see Dr. James Dobson. And he wanted to sit with him. And Dr. James Dobson, who is that old focus of the family, you know, that whole very big name, through that. And he had a conversation with Dr. Dobson about all the things that he had done. And you watch from the, the footage in the late 70s and the 80s of him doing his court cases. And you can see arrogance. You can see this believing his own rubbish. Just constantly, constantly. And then you see a man sitting on the day before death row with remorse. With a sense of ownership of what he had actually done and admitting it to the whole process. And then Dr. James Dobson asks him a question right near the end of the interview. And this is where the world don't understand this. So Ted, you've committed all these atrocities, but you have confirmed and said to me that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And you've handed him over, you've, you've handed your life over to him as your savior. Yes, I have, sir. Now, is that fair? Does it make any sense? That's hard, eh? If you're the family that's involved with your daughter of 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old being murdered and killed by this person, yet Jesus still pays the price. Now, how, now, the whole point of that is sinful nature. He's no different, necessarily, to one of us. Dr. Dobson said in another interview, he said, when World War II came about, did the Germans struggle to find people to fight an army to kill other people? People signed up. I'm ready for war. People were killing babies, children, mothers. What? See, see how sinful, see what that produces. And it doesn't happen like this. It's, it's a desensitization over time. That you suddenly keep doing what you do, and you kind of think, it's okay, it's okay. And what he spoke about, he spoke about this dark, hole and chasm in his life that everything else was normal he said but when it came to this stuff it just seemed to fall down the chasm and just covered it up and carried on so there's this desensitization to the reality of extreme sin now jesus is not measuring sin in levels of that was very bad to sure you only stole 200 rand that's not as bad sin is sin it's right or wrong there's no like Gates, look here, but you're not going to make heaven. But that sin that you committed there is way too deep. Oh, Jesus' blood couldn't cover it. Because then you, you kind of say the blood's not enough of Jesus. See what happens to a life that hands itself over to a sinful nature. Slowly but surely, the enemy will destroy you. And people all said about this man, but he was a, he's a normal person. He's a good-looking guy. He's a normal guy. Yes. Folks, welcome to... The realm of the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Yes. 
And the kingdom of darkness is after souls just as much as the kingdom of light is after souls. And when they crypt a life, the atrocities that will come out of the, the things that this flesh and this body can do cannot be quantified in the human condition because it doesn't seem right. But in the spiritual demonic realm, these things are the things that are required to break down this earthen place. See, when Tiger Woods fell into all his sinful ways, and the whole world, ah, everybody, but no one's like, have you looked at yourself? Okay, because I know that he's the, not the only guy on the tour doing all that stuff. There's all sorts of guys on the tour. He was the only one that got caught. So is it wrong until you've got caught? <laughs> no. See, the enemy will constantly try and tempt you to lure you into his deceitful ways. And watching this movie isn't about this guy. You know what this guy became? He became a trophy for the enemy. The world where Ted Bundy's put up there. The world are watching and the, and the enemy goes, there's my trophy. Everything that it, it was me that got him to do that. See how it works. All the publicity plays towards this broken world that we live in of sinful nature. And you ask that question over and over again, but why would God allow such things to happen in this world? But what, a God of love? Really, all those things? It's one word, folks. It's three letters, not four letters. It's a three-letter word. And it's called sin. The world do not want to deal with this sinful nature. So what it's become, it's become political. So you can't say that because that's offending my moral standing and I want to be that. I want to be what I want to believe so I can do what I want to do. So it becomes this big tussle. I want to prophesy over you as the people of God. The times are coming when you have to know your truth. If you don't know your truth, you are going to compromise. And when you compromise, you fall into the trap of what the enemy wants for a people of the people of God to bow down to the things of this world and say, okay, you can do what you need to do. Sorry, it's fine. We won't cause, we won't cause trouble here. Or, no, I'm sorry. No. Read through Acts. Go, go home and read through Acts. See what all the apostles had to deal with from all the forces of the day, constantly arguing. Constantly fighting for the truth that they believed of who Jesus was. Constantly from the figures and the leaders of the day. And what were they done? Imprisoned. Beaten. Put into hard positions. I don't, I don't know if the people of God are prepared for that fight right now. But you know what? We've got to get ready. Because it's coming, folks. It's here. It's on our doorstep. This time, the enemy has just used it over and over and over again to kind of bring this about. And we are, we are not going to compromise. We're not going to fall into this trap of saying, okay, all right, it's fine. You can say what you do. We base everything upon the Word of God. But here's the big test, you see. It has to be done with love. If it's not done with love, the arrogance and the standpoint of your proud kind of positioning God actually causes more trouble. Sure. So there's another story of a guy. And just to show you how sinful nature deals with. I'm reading in a book last night. A guy called Kurt William Havelock. You've never heard of him. But he had something happen around, uh, it's probably about 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, where he, he had something happen about an evening he wasn't allowed somewhere to do some Halloween thing, and he caused a massive issue about a big problem. And the Super Bowl was taking place in Phoenix, Arizona, at some um, university stadium. And 100 million people, okay, would be, oh, no, sorry, 100,000 people would be watching this in that stadium. And he had it in his heart 
to arrive there with an A5 rifle and 200 rounds of ammunition and, to, and just to go out and do a killing spree. There's a prayer group that somebody during the week or during the weeks leading up to this had a dream of that stadium filled with blood and couldn't understand the dream. It got the nightmare. Like, what? What is this? So they went and they prayed. And they asked God to stand and intervene of what you've showed us here. And as that guy arrived to do the stuff, his words are, he says, I don't know what came over me, but I had a change of heart. And he went and handed himself over to the police. You see, sinful nature will lead you to do atrocities that the world doesn't understand. Law kicks in and everyone goes, that's just terrible. How can he do that? There's an enemy that he sold his life to and said, okay, I'm falling into this trap. It's sin, folks. It's just sin. And it plays out a different way. So I said, Jesus is not bothered about your sin. The enemy is not bothered about your sin. It's what you do with it that makes all these atrocities around the world. The case up in Matuba Tuba, a friend of ours leads a church up there. A girl was robbed of her cell phone. And uh, obviously without it. And they prayed, said, God, please help. Three days later, she got a phone call from the police. said, please come down to the station. And as she arrived there, there was the guy that robbed her. She was like, okay, what's he doing? He says, I haven't been able to sleep for three days. I've got no peace. I bought the phone back from the person I sold it to. My conscience got the better of me and I want to give you the phone back. Wow. You see, what we must never underestimate is that sinful nature, but where the way God works, He always works in our conscience. You have a sin consciousness. You suddenly realize this is wrong. And that's where the enemy, you see, um, condemns. But Jesus, by His Holy Spirit, comes and convicts. And when we respond to the conviction, it breaks the power of the sinful habit nature over us. And we walk into the divine and stand firm on the truth. That's why there can be a change of heart. But He still has to pay the consequences of His motives. And stand in front of the court and say, I'm sorry. And pay the consequences of it. See, the cons- what's the consequence of sin? Death. And we want to walk alive in Christ. We want to be alive in who we have in Him. We have to conquer Daily temptations that come our way. And these are the tests. And you know what? I didn't actually even preach 20% of the sermon. I've got so much good stuff coming up when I come back. But you see, I'm going to finish on this. Here's the realities, folks. The test is the big overarching test. Not the daily test. We have these in our lives. The test, the big overarching test of your life and living for God. The test is, will you live for the kingdom of God? Will you lay your life down? In trust of whom the one has paid everything for you. Will you believe in the one that was sent? Will you lay your life down for him? The temptation is that we say yes to that, but we do it on our terms. We do it the way it suits us. We follow the language and the theme of the culture of the day so that we're in control of the circumstance that we live in. And we rationalize. This is a big thing. I had this analogy in my head that I didn't use. If Keith's walking in front of me, or say, not a, a stranger, he walks in front of me and he drops a 200 rand note out of his pocket and walks away and disappears. And I'll pick up the 200 rand. But I know he went into that office. The test is, I will follow him and give it back to him. He says, sorry, but you dropped this. Oh, wow, sure. Thanks. He won't say, oh, keep it, man. Don't worry. It was so kind of you. He won't do that. You can't do something with an expectation for someone to do something for you. So just, just do it. 
Okay, that's a little, that's a preach on its own right there. Don't do things for things. Just do things to do things. Or I can hold the turn around and say, sure. He doesn't know he lost that turn around. Uh, sure. So where, oh, where did he go again? Uh, oh, I didn't see him. Nah. Touch security won't get him there. I could use this turn around. Sure. Lord, you've provided. You, you laugh. Because you know what? You've all rationalized circumstances to suit your own will, to suit your own way, and to say, I, I, I think it's okay that I do this stuff. It's okay that this is happening to me. And you rationalize sin, basically. And you rationalize the temptations when you're feeling lured and fall into them. Don't fall into that con of the enemy lying to you. There's no rationalization for sin. Sin is sin. Whether you're Ted Bundy or whether you're the kid that steals a chocolate out the cupboard when you shouldn't have. Sin is sin. And here's the test. You live your life for God in every way. And the temptation is that you do it your way. But I know what our hearts are. We want to do it His way. We surrender our lives to Him fully. Is it a cost? Oh, it's a cost. It's a cost of a living sacrifice being offered to Him. Remember this. Remember this very clearly. God will not ever tempt you with evil. Never. Then you rationalize it. God's teaching me something through this habit. God's teaching me through this. There's an enemy that wants to destroy you. And you stand firm with the truth that you have in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sinful ways, and you walk in forgiveness. That's the power of it. a friend who walked his life, he, he gave it over to Satan, literally. And he's walking one day, and he sees this guy preaching in the street, and he's like, yeah, all right, buddy. Good call. So he walks up to this guy and says, can I ask you a question? And I was like, yeah, no, sure. When is God going to forgive Satan for what he's done? Um, I'll tell you what it says. Come back tomorrow and I'll answer your question for you. My friend walks away going, <laughs> you can't answer that. You can't beat that. Walks away thinks he's won. So next day, he's in the area. He walks past the guy, sees him coming and says, calls him, he's like, oh, you've been waiting for me actually. Okay, gets over to him. So he says, yeah, so tell me, when is God going to forgive Satan for what he's done? And the guy says to him, you know, the thing is, when Satan repents, God will forgive him. Exactly the same for your life. What does repentance bring about? Change. But it means it takes ownership of what you've done wrong. Okay, there's remorse. You feel the pain of it. And you want to set your life right with God. And then you walk in forgiveness. And that can happen every day of your life. And Jesus is not frowning upon you like, every day? Really? He's like, every day they find the truth of who I am. Because the enemy is relentlessly pursuing that person. Because man, they've got a call on their life. And he will not win because that person has understood the grace of Jesus Christ. And they stand firm in that. Amen. I want us to stand together. No, actually, just stay seated. Sorry, stay seated. I want... I want to pray specifically for people this morning. Okay, where you...
Just feel that the temptations that are coming your way, the lures and all the realities of your world and your life, you just feel, see what does the Lord's Prayer say? It says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power. We want to, I want to pray for folks this morning. I want to lead you through that prayer that you can pray every day. Is you're just saying, own it and say, God, I repent from my sinful ways. He's not going to fix it. You have to deal with the consequences of it and set it in order. Jesus created favor with the statue of God and man. It works together, setting these things in order, but you walk in forgiveness. Let's just pray together. Let's just bow our heads. Honor the King. And I've got another great sermon lined up for the rest of that. Lord, we want to firstly thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we honor you this morning. Today as we baptize folks and the celebration of what it is to know that people have been saved from the kingdom of darkness and brought into this beautiful kingdom of light, which is now your church, that we stand together. Lord, I want to pray peace over every single heart in this place. The, the trials, the, the testing that's coming on so many people's worlds and lives, the circumstances they're walking through, the trials that they're going through, the difficult times, circumstances that they can't understand and are asking, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Father, I pray peace over every single heart, knowing the love of Jesus Christ has come to set you free from the power of sin and death. Set you free from the power of of sin and death. It now has no power over you. And if you're feeling that's you this morning, even if you've never even accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want, if that's you this morning, I want you to stand where you are. And I want to pray with you and pray through a prayer that we're going to walk out together as we walk through repentance and walk into forgiveness. Because He wants you living for the kingdom of God. If that's you, I want you to stand. Where you're at. It's not a it's not a standing out in the crowd.